All right, so we're ready. Uh, if you didn't know, what we've been doing this semester is we've been going through um, these 12 questions in our life groups and then know why you believe. And the reason I have these two ladies up here with me is because tonight's topic requires uh, more than a, a guy like me. It requires uh, more brain power. I'm not kidding. Okay, so these, these ladies are, are sharp, and I uh, trust them a lot, and they're going to help tonight. So what we've been doing is we've been going through these 12 questions. And so my name is Andrew. If you didn't, don't know me before tonight, uh, I'm the campus minister. And then Haley, I, we need to get you a mic, girl. Okay. <laughs> so this is Haley. How about you introduce yourself, Haley? I'm Haley. <laughs> Hello. <laughs> I'm also the president of Impact, so if you've gotten any emails from me, that's, that's who, I'm the face. <laughs> okay. She's going to have her own mic. Cool. We're takeover here. Hi, I'm Jonna, and I am a member of the Tuesday Morning Life group. Yep. She's <laughs> awesome. Okay, so we, we, uh, we're so excited to share what God has laid on our heart tonight. And uh, we just can't wait to get into it. But first, I have to tell you a story, and it has to do with uh, this next uh, slide here. Alex is going to advance that for us. Uh, well, I'm, I'm the preacher, and they're the scientists. Okay, neuroscientists at that. Uh, no joke. Okay, go to the next slide. That, my friends, is a peacock. And Confirmed. <laughs> so growing up, in, I grew up in Oklahoma. And in Oklahoma, there's not a whole lot there other than, like, dust and uh, not a whole lot of crops. There's red dirt. There's roadrunners. There's armadillos and possums and peacocks. And so when I was a kid, and I grew up in this small town. Behind my house, there was this peacock farm, and you would hear them throughout the night all day. All the time. And it was so crazy, and it would get so annoying because they would do it all the time, nonstop. Well, one day as a kid, our, our screen door had like this uh, reflective portion on the outside of the screen door. So the peacocks, would, well, this one peacock would sneak out of that peacock farm and come all the way to my house and stand on our front door. I'm like 10 years old, and I'm watching this peacock. I'm scared to death of peacocks, by the way. Large birds that, you know, I don't know, it just freaked me out. And so he's like looking at the mirror like this. And, you know, and then he'd leave eventually, and then I could leave my house and stop being freaked out. And it always happened when my parents weren't there. And so I, as a kid, I'd just get real scared. Well, one day, I saw this peacock doing this and let you know there's a, there's a reflect, ref, reflective thing on the outside of the door so he can see himself as he's going back and forth with his head like this. And then all of a sudden, this peacock, like, freaks out and starts banging its head against the screen door. Bang, 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 you know, over and over and over again. And I'm like, oh, my gosh, what is going on with this peacock? And the next thing I know, this peacock is dead. I'm not even kidding you. It is dead on my front porch. Peacock blood. Um, so is the, is the peacock blood blue? Okay, that's what the scientist says. Okay, so one of the things about this peacock that's really interesting is that the peacock thought he knew what reality was, but in reality, he was looking at himself, and he just did not know. And that's kind of what we're talking about tonight. We're talking about peacocks committing heinous things against themselves, I guess. I don't know. 
But I think one of the things about the scary things for all of us is to think that we have everything figured out in anything and then come to the end of whatever we believed in or known and then realize it's all a hoax, right? And some of you have done that, like if you have been in a home like where your parents seemed happily married and then all of a sudden it's like they're getting divorced. Or uh, someone seems healthy, but all, all this time they've had cancer or whatever the case is. You know, that is one of the things that just drives us crazy more than anything is to, know, to think something is true and to know that it's true and then to find out it's actually a big hoax. And another fear that we have um, is to be excluded from certain things that our friends do. How many of you have ever found out something that your friends were doing and realized that you were not a part of that activity? How do you feel about yourself? Zach, how do you feel about yourself when that happens? I mean, I feel pretty good. Okay. <laughs> you just lied. Okay, so. But maybe, maybe you walked into a test even today and you were like, I thought that test was tomorrow and it was actually today and you had not prepared yourself to take that exam. Has that happened to anybody? Okay. Uh, come on, be honest. All right, so. Or maybe that project is due tomorrow and you thought it was due next week. And then you have to stay up all night finishing the project. Anybody ever done that? I know some of you have actually struggled with this, having group projects with people that slack. Some of you are the slackers and then some of you are like my good friends up here. Okay? Some of you carry the group, somebody, others drag, it, drag them down. I don't know. I, I think that's how it works. Um, but you would have, maybe, maybe you would have, if you would have only known about it, you would have asked that girl out if you knew that she actually liked you. Or maybe, maybe you would have asked that guy out, right? If you would have known that he actually liked you. And that whole time, you wasted all this time because you thought that they weren't interested in you and they actually were interested in you. Anybody ever been there? Okay? That's where I was at with my wife. I don't have time to go into it. Um, we are not just on a want-to-know quest. We are on a need-to-know quest. You absolutely have to know what is true and what is not true. You just have to know. And so my question tonight as we get into this and we get into these passages is, how much do you actually know about God? I read a book one time called The Knowledge of the Holy by uh, A.W. Tozer, and the book is only 100 pages, and it ruined my life. Because I thought I knew a lot about God, and in that book, he proceeded to tell me that I knew nothing about God, right? And reality, like how big and exhaustive God is. I just did, do not know very much about who God is, really. And so, can someone have complete knowledge of the Bible and actually not know God? Let, let's say Lauren Schmidt tonight. Is that how you say your last name? I love saying that last name is special. All right. So let's say Lauren memorizes the entire Bible. What's Leviticus 9.24 say? Okay, so, <laughs> so let's say he memorizes the whole Bible and actually could end up dying and spending eternity separated from God, even though he knew every verse in the Bible, that legitimately could happen. And I think that's just a real thing uh, that most of us even if you didn't grow up in church, but if you did grow up in church, it's kind of scary to think that you could grow up your whole life knowing all the stories, knowing all the verses, and actually miss it. 
and miss it. Because there's a difference between knowing about something and actually knowing it. And so what we're going to look at tonight is just so cool because we were going to call this thing something about science and actually the meaning of theology, this weird word, is the science or the study of God, right? And so that's kind of what we're going to do. So uh, John is going to read for us um, Hosea chapter 6, verses 1 through 6 for us, and then we're going to talk about it a little bit. A call to repentance. Come, let us return to the Lord. He has torn us to pieces. Now he will heal us. He has injured us. Now he will bandage our wounds. In just a short time, he will restore us so that we may live in his presence. Oh, that we might know the Lord. Let us press on to know him. He will respond to us as surely as the arrival of dawn or the coming of the rains in early spring. O Israel and Judah, what should I do with you, asked the Lord, for your love vanishes like the morning mist and disappears like dew in the sunlight. I sent my prophets to cut you to pieces, to slaughter you with my words, with judgments as inescapable as light. I want you to show love, not offer sacrifices. I want you to know me more than I want burnt offerings. Wow, thank you so much. All right, so the one thing I want you guys to really get from tonight is this one statement. And so if you forget everything else we say, we want you to remember this, that those who are in the know grow, okay? Those that are in the know grow. And then those who have just head knowledge, they stagnate or decrease in their growth, okay? Those in the know grow. So this is a great passage, and it's kind of a crazy passage from Hosea. Anybody ever read the whole book of Hosea? about the prostitute and how God told him to marry a prostitute. We're not going to get in that tonight, but if you want to read the first chapter of Hosea, be encouraged, okay? But why did God want to tear Israel into pieces? Like, if, if you heard tonight, if you came in and you're like, God wants to tear you to pieces, you'd be like, what kind of God is this that would want to tear me to pieces? That sounds pretty brutal, right? It's like peacock territory, you know, why, why would God want to tear me to pieces? Well, these Israelites, they were like, the Bible actually uses this term, and that's why Hosea was told to marry a prostitute, because they were prostituting themselves to other gods. And his desire is for us, and for them his desire was to come back to him for healing. And the only way you will come for healing is if you realize that you are broken. Let me say that again. The only way you're going to come to God for healing is if you realize that you're broken. And sometimes God has to get your attention. Like, uh, unfortunately, most of us are pretty arrogant, and we're pretty hard-headed. At least I could say that about you, right? How many of you would consider yourself stubborn, right? Amen. Glory. Everybody says, yes, please. I am that girl. I am that guy. We are stubborn. And so what his desire for them was is to come to him for healing. And the word for healing here is the Hebrew word rafa. Everybody say rafa. How dare you spit on the person next to you? But this word just means to become fresh or to be completely healed or to be made healthy. God wants us to experience not this duct tape healing, not this super glue healing, but like this restoration healing to where God makes you better than you were even before, right? He regenerates you. Um, that's how God wants to heal you. So, that's how God responds at the initially to the Israelites. He says, I have torn you to pieces. 
I am ready to heal you. I am ready to heal you. And then we respond. And so this is God's desire for us. And Hosea says, let us press on to know the Lord. To press on is the Hebrew word for radaf, and it just means to pursue or to chase. And I want to ask you this tonight. What or who are you chasing tonight? Everyone in here is chasing something. You're chasing an A in a class. You're chasing, uh, uh, I don't know, trying to be liked by people. Maybe you're chasing um, after addictions or relationships or whatever that is that you're chasing tonight. But what or who are you chasing? Because Hosea says, let us press on to know the Lord. Let us press on to know the Lord. And then God responds. This is so cool. I will come to you. You get the, the passage said, I will come to you. And he says he's going to come to them like the breaking of the dawn. Isn't that interesting language for God to use about the Israelites? He goes from, hey, I'm going to tear you into pieces. I'm going to heal you. Right? And then I will come like the breaking of dawn. How many, when's the last time you saw the sunrise? Last uh, year? Uh, who's seen a sunrise recently? Okay, is it because you stayed up all night? Somebody? Connor? Yeah, stayed up all night. Did you stay up all night last night? Stayed up all night. Okay, all right. They allow you to do that? Homeschool, they do that? All right, just kidding. I'm just messing. I'm just messing with you. Okay. Burn. So this is how God, this is how he's going to tear me to pieces. All right, this is how God responds, okay? God responds like the breaking of dawn. And if you've ever seen sunrise, and it's just breathtaking, especially if you've been in the mountains or something like that, it just takes your breath away. That's how God wants to come to us. Now, he, he uses two things. He says, I want to come to you like the breaking of dawn and like rain, spring rains that water the earth. I want to come to you like the breaking of dawn and spring rains. He wants to show also us love and mercy. He doesn't just want us to have religious acts. God just doesn't want us to uh, go through the motions. He doesn't just want us to read the Bible, even though he wants us to read the Bible, but he wants us to get to know him. You know, those who are in the know grow. God wants us to get to know him. Okay? And uh, so God doesn't just want uh, what we have. This is so big for you tonight. Because a lot of you think that God just, he wants what you have to offer. So if you would say, hey, I can sing, so God wants me to sing, and he loves me because I can sing. God wants me to serve at, at the teen night at Horizon Central. Uh, so that's what God wants from me. And I would say tonight that that's actually not what God wants from you. Okay? Some of you would say, well, God wants me to feed the poor. God wants me to evangelize. God... Yeah, those are great things. But you know what God wants? This passage says it. He wants you. He doesn't want just what you have to offer. He wants you. Isn't that refreshing? Because that's just not how people work, is it? People, this is how we are, we, we think people are cool because of what they can make us laugh or they're fun to be around or they can play violin or, you know, whatever they can do. It makes us feel like, oh, I want to be around them because they are awesome. God says, no, I don't, I'm not actually impressed by anything that you do. I love you. 
I love you. If you haven't heard that before, I hope you're hearing it tonight, that God loves you, not just what you have to offer. Even though you may have a lot to offer, God just loves you. So Haley's going to read John 17.3 for us. And this is the only way to have eternal life, to know you, the one, they're the only true God, and Jesus Christ, the one you sent to earth. So Jesus is clear. The way to eternal life is to know him, not just to observe Jesus, not just to say, wow, Jesus, you're pretty awesome. You know, you got a lot of great things to say. Uh, even when I come, come tonight, wow, the worship team did a great job, and they're going to sing for us later. But to actually say, I don't want you just to peripherally just see me from the outside. I want you to actually get to know me. I want you to get to know me. And so check out this quote by Dallas Willard. It's just so good. Um, Johnny, you want to read that for us? Sure. Saying Jesus is Lord can mean little in practice for anyone who has to hesitate in saying that Jesus is smart. He's not just nice. He's brilliant. He's the smartest man who ever lived. Is this how you think about Jesus? I think a lot of us would say, you know, I, I think of Jesus as kind of like this soft philanthropist that just went around healing people, making people feel good about themselves, you know, feeding people, you know, doing, doing all these great works here on earth. And we would say, and he had good teaching. But do you ever think about Jesus being the smartest man to have ever lived on earth? I oftentimes, I don't. I don't know if you do that or not, but he was the smartest man to have ever lived. And so I don't know about you, but that makes me pretty excited about getting to know Jesus. It's not like I can get to know Jesus and I spend time in reading my Bible one time or I spend time in prayer and then I'm like, I got Jesus figured out. I think I got this. I think Jesus, I've just got whatever he's got to offer. I've already received it. I'm good to go. It's like this relationship that can go as deep as you're willing to go. It can go as deep as you're willing to go. That's how awesome Jesus is. And the Greek word for know here is the Greek word gnosko, which indicates personal experience. Not just head knowledge, but experiencing Jesus. How many of you have actually been afraid to read your Bible sometime or afraid to pray because of what maybe God's going to say to you or what maybe God's going to do in your life or maybe what he's going to call you away from. Anybody ever been fearful of that before in your life? God, I really don't want to get close to you because I'm afraid I know what you're going to say. I feel like Jonah. I knew you would save these people. Right? I knew you were going to say that to me. And I'm not ready to obey yet. But to know Jesus is not just to memorize things about Jesus. It's to get to know Jesus. And so what we want to do at this point, I've kind of went quickly on purpose. I want, uh, we're going to talk about knowing him. And one of the chapters in our book that we're studying this semester, <laughs> one of the chapters that we're studying this semester is entitled, Do Science and Scripture Agree? Okay. Um, all right, it's jammed. Am I good? All right. So one of the chapters that we, we study is, Do Science and Scripture Agree? And one of the things, this, this chapter is crazy. And I read it, and I, ha, I don't know if you've read it yet or not. When I read it, I was like, i got to read that like 100 more times to even understand what's going on. And maybe you felt like that. These two, when they read it, they were like, that's speaking my love language right there. 
science. And, and some people uh, in this room are like wired for science. Like you understand it, you breathe it, you live it. When you see something, you don't, you don't see something. You're seeing how it actually is, is there and how it works. And some of you are just like that. You're engineers, you're, you're math people, or you're science people. You just get it. And then there's other people like me that I'm just like happy to be alive. You know, I'm just trying to, I'm just trying to survive. Thank you, Jesus, I'm alive today. And uh, I'm not that simple, but I am. Okay? So what we want to talk about tonight is not just knowing him in, knowing him in the science. and not, not to think to, why we're talking about knowing him and to know, to be in the know is to grow. We, we don't want to segregate things tonight and to say, okay, this is science and this is being intelligent. This is why we gave you that quote from, from Dallas Willard, who's, who was a brilliant guy. You know, here's your, here's your, use your brain for this, and then when it comes to going to church and reading your Bible, turn your brain off. And what we want to present to you tonight is that those two things are the same. Those two things are the same. When you go to your biology class, some of you don't have biology classes, if you do, if you go to your organic chemistry class or your physics class that's killing you or whatever it is, God is there and has actually created all of that and how all of that works. And that should make you very impressed with who God is. And so that's kind of what we want to talk about right now. And I'm going to let Jonna just share first. And so she's going to share just like some of her classes that she's had, how she has actually seen God within those classes that she has taken. So, and maybe we'll have her share some of those classes in specific. Maybe you guys are in those classes. And it's going to help you to kind of be encouraged to see that. And then Haley's going to share just some of the, the research side. She, her internship did a lot of, has done a lot of research here on campus, uh, in particular with ALS, right? So she's going to share some of that with us. And then she's going to read probably the, my, I read it, and I was just like, this is my favorite quote of all time right now. So not to build it up too much, but Jonna, go ahead and share with us. Okay, I'm not great at public speaking, so I have my notes, and I'm probably going to be reading from them. Um, but so Andrew asked me to kind of talk about how I've come to know God better through my science classes. And as I was trying to think about this, I found like three main lessons that I've learned. Uh, the first one is that creation did not randomly happen by chance. There most definitely was a divine designer uh, who orchestrated all of this. The second one is that human intellect is nothing compared to the genius of our creator. And the third is God has given us worldly examples for understanding our faith in him. So number one, a divine designer. I was reading the other day about enteroendocrine cells that we have at the bottom of our gastric glands. And <laughs> okay, stomach, think stomach. Uh, <laughs> These cells uh, produce a variety of hormones, one of which is gastrin. And when gastrin is activated, when food enters the lumen of our stomach, it then secretes gastric acid. And then once our stomach lumen reaches a pH of about 3, the gastrin then turns off and stops secreting gastric acid. <laughs> if gastrin would continue to secrete gastric acid, though, then the lining of our stomach would then be eaten away, and we'd have, like, very severe visceral damage. Um, I just have a really hard time when I read this, believing that this could happen in humans by chance. Um, to me, this 
very intricate system of checks and balances um, definitely ensures to me that we were created on purpose this way um, so that we could uh, live out God's purpose for us in the world. The second one is God's genius versus human genius. Um, it wasn't really until I came to college that I realized how dumb I am. And I'm not, I'm not saying that to like be self-defeating or anything. Um, but every day I realize the limits of my own knowledge. And um, an example of this is organic chemistry, uh, where I got a glimpse of the irreducible complexity of life. Um, <coughs> It's amazing, and it made me want to pull my hair out <laughs> a lot of the time. But if you really take the opportunity to learn about God's creation, it's, it's really difficult to wrap your mind around. Um, and it made me realize that whether uh, we're aware of it or not, we all are taking some type of, we all have some type of faith in things that we can't intellectually understand. And the third thing is uh, worldly models for faith. So if you've ever studied statistics, you might know where I'm going with this one. <laughs> um, when you're trying to prove or disprove a theory, you actually create, uh, you are actually working to disprove the opposite of the hypothesis you want to find support for, if that makes sense. <laughs> um, so... <laughs> So if you can disprove your opposite hypothesis, then you accept your original hypothesis. Basically, what it boils down to is that uh, nothing can be implicitly proven in science. All of these facts and truths that we believe because they've been statistically proven are just have us having faith in the scientific system. I think that God has helped us discover this method of truth finding because it's not unlike the one that we use for our belief in him. They both require a lot of faith. So I've approached my studies in science through a very God-focused filter, and in doing so, I think it's drawn me a lot closer to the one who created all of this. Um, though I'm not always appreciative as I'm studying, I do feel really blessed to have the opportunity to learn about God's creation. So Haley, I'm going to ask you to uh, I'm going to ask you to read uh, or or give your uh, what you were going to share for us, and then just go straight into the C.S. Lewis quote. Okay. All right. How many of you have worked in a research lab? Yeah, holla. All right. How many of you have had a science class or have read a science textbook or maybe heard of the word science? Okay, great. <laughs> Earth science. <laughs> Ninth Earth grade. Science. Thank you. <laughs> So the point I'm trying to make is that all of these things that you read about science, like all these facts, everything, they don't just happen. They don't, they're not just known. Like you can't just, oh, today I woke up, gravity exists, great. Okay, let's put this down, let's make it a theory. The thing is, okay, I worked in a, I worked in a lab last year for about a year. Um, uh, and what we worked on for the most part was ALS and uh, peripheral nerve injury and things like that. And one of the things that I learned throughout my internship was that it takes years and years and years to even elucidate a, a mechanism in the human body. Like, it, like, science takes so long. And the fact that we spend such a long time, like, 
coming up with you know just how the human body works and diagramming it and everything and sometimes we're wrong and like all these career scientists have trouble putting these things together like that is amazing in itself and the fact that like god orchestrated us in like seamlessly effortlessly and flawlessly like in like one second he was like okay this is how humans are going to be but the fact that we cannot comprehend it we can't even figure it out like with years and years and years of study like that is that drew me closer to god all year because i had no idea i knew science took a while but i did i had no idea that years and years pile on before you even come up with a pathway to target with a drug or like a cure or something like that so yeah the fact that you know god so seamlessly and oh just yeah humans i mean so we have humans that walk around right now so like <laughs> It just, I don't know, I'm getting flustered because it just excites me so much that, like, we are such complex creatures and there is just absolutely no way that there wasn't some kind of a divine creator. So. Go ahead and read this for us. Oh, okay. <laughs> While in other sciences, the instruments you use are things external to yourself, things like microscopes and telescopes, the instrument through which you can see God is your whole self. And if a man's self is not kept clean and bright, his glimpse of a god will be blurred, like the moon seen through a dirty telescope. That is why horrible nations have horrible religions. They have been looking at God through a dirty lens. God can show himself as he really is only to real men. And that means not simply to men who are individually good, but to men who are united together in a body, loving one another, helping one another, showing God to one another. For that is what God meant humanity to be like like players in one band, or organs in one body. Consequently, the, the one really adequate instrument for learning about God is the whole Christian community, waiting for him together. Christian brotherhood is, so to speak, the technical equipment for the science, the laboratory outfit. C.S. Lewis. Okay, so right on top of that, Hebrews chapter 3, verse 4 says this. It says that for every house has a builder, but the one who built everything is God. Okay, those who are in the know grow, okay, and you will not grow on your own. You just will not grow. I mean, you can, you can amass lots of knowledge, you can study lots of books, but you will not progress in the way that God intended for you to progress and to grow unless you have a relationship with Him, a living, moving, breathing, interacting relationship with Jesus. I believe that with all my heart tonight. And I... I don't have to listen to these two very long before I'm just like, man, God is amazing. Amen? Were you guys thinking about that? I mean, how amazing is God? And that he even wants anything to do with me. Why would he do that to my stomach? You know, why would he make it that complex? We, we don't even think about that. And God is behind the scenes doing everything. The Bible says that he not only like, created life, that he actually, in Colossians, it says that he sustains life. He sustains it and upholds it by the word of his power. Like if God said, you know, turn off the lights, there's no lights. If God says, make your stomach not do that anymore, or your brain, or, or whatever it is, it would just stop happening because he upholds everything by the word of his power. He is the life. He is the sustainer. And we are his house. We are his house. In Taylor Hall, 104 right now, we are God's house. We are God's people. We are so different. I'm looking out among you right now. We're all so different and so awesome at the same time. And I hope you believe that about yourself tonight. 
because God thinks that about you. Those who are in the know grow, and we are a house, a growing house. This is true biology, right? We are a growing house. Okay, so I have four questions, and then I'm going to share a story with you, and then we're going to be done. We're going to sing some more. First question, did you know that God, we, we just looked at this in Hosea, that God wants to completely heal you? God wants to completely heal you tonight. All of the hurt, all of the shame, all of the guilt, all of the things that you're carrying around, God wants to take that from you. Hear that tonight. God wants to heal you. Number two, what have you been chasing? What have you been doing? And at the end of doing that thing, you're like, I just wasted all of my time and effort and energy on this video game only to lose. Or, or I, I've wasted all my time and all my energy on this relationship only to be disappointed. Come on now. What are you chasing tonight? Three, did you know that God does not want what you have to offer, doesn't want your sacrifices, is what Hosea says. He wants you. He doesn't want what you have to offer. He wants you. He actually owns what you have to offer. He owns your intellect. He owns your car. He owns your shoes. The Bible says that the Lord, the earth is the Lord's and all it contains, even your hair. You know, God owns it all. Number four. Do you know Jesus tonight? Or are you just getting secondhand information? Do you sit in church and listen to people talk and say, Man, I wish I was that close to Jesus. I wish I had a story like that. How many of you ever thought that in church before? You're like, I wish that I was experiencing God like that. You know how those people experience God like that? They read their Bibles, they're on their knees praying a lot. They've got Christian mentors who are like 70, 80, 90 years old who are pouring into their lives. That's, that's where I'm at. They've got a Christian community. They've got a life group that they're doing life with, and they're not doing things on their own. You just can't do it on your own. Secondhand information isn't going to get you to heaven. Observation is observation unless they're... Unless there's transformation, it doesn't mean much. And I want to share this story. The first time I, I read about this, it just floored me. And it's, the, it's from the song, The Love of God. Anybody know that song? For the love of... No, I'm just kidding. But it's this uh, love of God. It's this hymn. It's this old hymn. And it was written... Uh, the first two verses were written by this guy in the 1800s. And actually, it's kind of a crazy story how the third verse came about. And uh, so, in like like, uh, I don't know how you would say this, in like 1096, okay, there was this Jew that read something in the Quran, the, the Muslim holy book, and he read that, and he was like, that is kind of true. I'm going to make it even more true. I'm going to add love to it, because it didn't have love in it. He's like, he added love to it. And it was just like this beautiful, the love of God, and we're going to read it here in a second. And so he did that. And this Jewish poem was kind of forgotten about, especially among people who speak English. And so in about the, the 1700s, they were clearing out this cell, this, this cell in this insane asylum. I can't make this up. In this insane asylum, this guy was in there, he lost his mind. And so he dies 
in the insane asylum, they're clearing out his cell, and they find, written in English, this is the first time that this song has been translated from Hebrew into English in the 1700s, on, it was scratched on the wall of this insane asylum cell. This guy was in there because he had lost his mind and scratched this out. Now, I can't make this up. Now, check this out. This is what this guy, he's in this insane asylum. He's lost his mind. And the guy who actually wrote the first two verses of the song in the 1800s, he said, apparently in a moment of clarity and mental stability, he scratches this on to the wall. Now check this out. Could we with ink the ocean fill and were the skies of parchment made? Were every stock on earth a quill and every man a scribe by trade? Now here's where it gets crazy. To write the love of God above would drain the ocean dry, nor could the scroll contain the whole Though stretched from sky to sky. How much does God love you tonight? How much do you think that he cares about you? We don't bring all this food in here. Churches don't donate it. And Chick-fil-A at Circle Center donates donated all the nuggets tonight. Isn't that crazy? They don't do that. The owner there is a Christian. He doesn't do that just because he thinks it's fun. He does that because he loves you. He doesn't even know you and he loves you. You know, I don't even know all of you super well, but I love you. I care for you. Now think about how amazing God is that he would send his one and only son to die on the cross for you and for me. All the things that we've done wrong, all the mistakes that we've made, all the stupid things that we've done. Jesus went to the cross. The Bible says that he bore in his body the sin of all mankind. And I hope you feel that tonight. And I hope that when you're reading your Bible or you're praying or you're, you're in your organic chemistry class or your differential equations or whatever you're taking, Corey's taking multi-dimensional math, you know, whatever you're taking, I hope, I hope that you see Jesus, right? I hope that you don't see a, a stuffy professor or an incredibly crazy book. I hope you see Jesus, Jesus is there, right? I mean, it's really easy. Like, even just walking, seeing you guys walk in tonight, I'm going to invite the worship team up. Haley, you can get, you, get in your place too. But I hope that, you know, just walking you guys, watching you guys walk in, I can see God in you guys. I mean, even if you're not a Christian tonight, I can see what God is doing in your lives, and it just pours out. And that's that's just amazing to think about. So let, let's just go ahead and stand, and we're going to sing. We're going to sing uh, a couple of songs. And uh, if you need to pray uh, or talk about anything, I'll be in the back, and I would love to talk to you more about what we've talked about tonight.